So as we jump into this message, trying to understand what is happening in Israel and the Gaza Strip, and I'd even say the West Bank right now, and trying to understand if from a biblical perspective, I think there's a couple questions that I, that I want us to address, right? Because we, we would say, hey, there's nothing new with conflict in that region, right? Israel has been in, in conflict, I would say specifically Jerusalem has seen incredible conflict over the last thousands of years. Actually, Jerusalem has been attacked 52 times, captured and recaptured 44 times, and besieged 23 times, and destroyed twice. Jerusalem is one of the oldest known cities in the world, and, and yet we see conflict in this region. So, so you could easily just say, you know what, it's ongoing conflict. Should we be concerned here in the West? Should we be concerned here in New Hampshire about what's going on over there? And we can then begin to start becoming complacent into saying, well, there's probably nothing new, right? So let's, let's not give it much thought. The other side of it could be like, okay, is biblical prophecy unfolding? And if so, you know, should we look at that? But we've also have, we, we also know that people have said, oh, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, whenever there's a conflict and never, he never comes. And so then it was like, do we get all hyped up about Jesus coming? But, but how do we process that? So I'm going to give three reasons why this conflict that has pers um, persisted through um, history why it has been persistent. And then I'm going to give three aspects of, of the current um, conflict and understand why it's distinct and potentially the most dangerous conflict that they've ever experienced over all of history. And what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? But before we go there, I think there's, I want to read a scripture. And then I want to give some definitions because I think there's some words that have been put out there, whether in news media or what, what that we need to understand what they mean because it has a lot of significance. But I want to read Psalm 122 to begin. This is a song of David. Remember, David um, set up um, his kingdom in Jerusalem, same city in Jerusalem. The first temple was built in Jerusalem, second temple, Solomon's temple built in Jerusalem. And it says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. It was decreed for Israel, give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones of judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I think it's very prophetic that, that David wrote that psalm and, and says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem because of, of the conflict that continues to surround Jerusalem, right? Fif attacked 52 times, captured, recaptured 44 times, besieged 23 times, destroyed twice. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
for some reason, there's something about that conflict. And I think understanding its history will put it in perspective of why there is conflict and what does that mean for us. Well, let's give a few terms first of all. You might have heard the, the term Zionist. Somebody would say, I'm a Zionist. What, what does that mean? A Zionist believes that Israel should have their own um, nation, should have their own state. They should, they should be governed by themselves. So if they say they're a Zionist, they believe the Jews should have their own um, safety in their own state. The other thing you need to understand in this region, if we talk about Israel and Palestine, they were, I mean, as we know from early on in the Bible, these, this nation has existed, or this, this region has existed. And it wasn't until recently that that region was divided into two places, so Palestine and Israel. And when that region was separated, you have the Gaza Strip, which is, by the way, that whole region is nothing larger than the state of Vermont. And so it's a very small region. But you have the West, you have the West Bank, which is Palestinians live in there. You have Gaza Strip, which Palestinians live in there. And they are ruled by Hamas, which is more of a militant group. Uh, West Bank is, is um, ruled by also Palestinians, but a little bit different kind of ruling. And then you have Israel, who then the Jews would then take claim to this land. And we're going to give you the history of it. But so you have Jews, which, by the way, Jesus was a Jew. And then you have the Palestinians, so Jews and Palestinians, those are more ethnicities, but then you have um, the Jews would have Judaism and then the Palestinians would have Islam. So there's the religious aspect. But then you take Jerusalem, which is so interesting because you have, you have Christianity, which Jesus was born in Bethlehem, was just south of Jerusalem. And there's a lot of Christian um, heritage there. You have the, the dome on the rock, which interestingly enough, people would say uh, Judaism or the Jews would say that's where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and God came through and provided the ram. That's the dome of the rock right there in Jerusalem. And yet you would have um, Islam, they would say Muhammad was the one who ascended on that same location. So you have the dome of the rock, which you have three interest groups and Jerusalem today is a multinational city, which basically the Palestinians and the Jews co-basically inhabitate regions of it. And they both lay claim to saying that is their capital. So you see why there's some conflict. So let's just talk about this, this long um, history of, of conflict so the religious significance of it in the biblical roots, right? So Israel, Palestine, it, it has to be understood, this conflict has to be understood in this religious background. So both Israel and the Israelis and Palestinians lay claim to this religion because the, the Jews or the Israelis believe that Abraham was given this land as a promised land. We read in Genesis 12 verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And why there's also conflict is because, so before Isaac came into the, onto the scene, remember Isaac is, um, is this miraculous promised son that Sarah, who's beyond the age of bearing children, 
gives birth to Isaac. So Abraham and Isaac, Abram and Sarai became Abraham and Sarah. But before Isaac was born, um, Sarah felt like, okay, how am I going to get my promised kid in? And so basically, my promised child, she says, take my maidservant Hagar to Abraham. And Abraham um, laid with Hagar and gave birth to Ishmael. And this is where the conflict begins. Because Isaac and Ishmael, so Hagar and Ishmael get sent away. Interestingly enough, though, there's a promise in Scripture that says Ishmael and his descendants will also be a great nation. And out of that line of Ishmael becomes the Palestinians. Then you have Isaac, who has Jacob and the 12 tribes, and that lineage becomes the Israelites and the Jewish people. So here you, it starts right at the beginning by Abraham and the fraction of these two families, in essence, go and there's conflict there. So you have to begin to start seeing the tracking of this, that both of them laid claim to a region and both of them feel justified saying it's God's promised land for them. So then you go to the, histor uh, the historical um, conflict, and, and it's been centuries of conflict, right? So you have the Jews who were kicked out of the place. Remember, in, in Jesus' time, actually, why is it that, that they thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah that was going to throw the Romans out of that region, and they were going to have a land of their own? All the way back in Jesus' time. Because the Jews have been, had been um, persecuted in that, in that area, in that region. So you have the Jewish diaspora, which basically, diaspora basically means they're displaced. Then you have the Roman conquest. Then you have the Crusades. Then you have the Ottoman rule, which is, which is basically the, the ruler, if you know this from history lessons, uh, the, the ruler from Turkey becomes this, this Arab ruler of, over, over all this Arab region, all the way from North Africa over to Turkey, and, and that region then becomes controlled, and the Ottoman era, uh, Ottoman era, the Jews were not uh, obviously a part of that because it was very much Arab um, and, and in nature. So the, interestingly, then we have the Brit British colonization. This is now kind of recent um, fact, and let me just give you a little bit of context of when um, the Brits were a part of that. So you have the British Mandate, which was after World War I, and the League of Nations granted Britain the mandate to govern Palestine. So Palestine was a singular region at that moment, right? So after World War I. And, and the Britain was basically helping um, them to understand how you can have self-rule in that region because now the Ottoman Empire is now done, right? So after maybe 400 years of ruling with the Ottoman Air, uh, Empire, comes a British mandate that basically says, how do you have self-rule for the Palestinians in that region? Then in 1947, so this is now really recent history, 1947, you have the UN partition plan, which basically gave, all right, we're going to separate this land into two factions, the Palestine, uh, for Palestine and for Israel. And that was really the idea of to create two states, a Jewish and an Arab state, Jerusalem as an international city. And that international city still kind of exists today, but this is where we have conflict, right? So in this idea of trying to create some level of peace, 
The Jews who now feel like in 1948, now the Jews decide that they are going to become a nation state themselves and they are going to claim land. So here we're going to get really recent, um, really soon here. So, so what this does in 1948, there's a Palestinian exodus and, and Israel comes in and basically pushes and actually does a lot of damage to the Palestinians, pushes them out because now they're saying, this is our land. This is our promised land. So we realize this is a holy war. But is today a holy war or is it a geopolitical conflict? And I'm gonna, I know this is kind of like feels like history for a moment. We're going to go into the biblical significance of this um, in a minute. So 1948, um, it's the beginning of the modern state of Israel. And this event left an incredible deep scar in, in the Palestinian people and, um, and as they were being pushed out. Then you have the Six-Day War in 1967, the Six-Day War. Israel captured the West Bank and Gaza, and so basically still saying, hey, the Palestinians, you can live here, but it actually is under um, Israeli uh, governance. They're allowing them to have self-rule, but what now what's happening in the current history is um, as more Jews are moving back to the area, they're creating settlements over in the West Bank, is uh, Jewish settlements, continuing to push the Palestinians away. And by the way, the Palestinians, especially in the Gaza Strip, they're like prisoners in their own land. So let's go back to this Ishmael and Isaac, Palestinians, Israelis. First and foremost, we need to understand that God loves all people. And his heart is that none should perish. Israeli, Jew, Arab, Palestinian. God's heart is that all these people would come to know him through Jesus Christ. So you have this conflict, you have this religious, these holy wars basically feeling like God promised this land and, and our heritage comes from either Isaac or Ishmael. And then, then you have these territorial claims. And then you have like these sibling rivalry tensions of, of these ideas of like, you know, I, I'm laying claim to this. No, I'm laying claim to this. And you have these, these internal conflicts of who gets the region. Then you have Jerusalem, which is trying to become an international city. But even, even the, the dome on the rock, you have the Jews' wailing wall. That's the only place they can go. And then you have the, uh, the Islamic people who can worship on that side. And then you have the Christians who want to like go on a tour <laughs> and see Israel. But why is this conflict maybe a little bit more dangerous this time? So we talked about the religious significance. We've talked about the historical um, conflict that has been there. We've talked about um, where Israel became a nation state. And some would interpret, by the way, that, that if you've been around a, a while, they feel like there's a scripture that talks about um, when Jesus talked about the olive tree and he says, when the shoot is young and begins to blossom, do you not know that this is the season, the time that of, of his return? And, 
um, I, got, I got that scripture here for you. I got a lot of papers here today. There's a lot of information. Matthew 24, if you want to write this down, look at it. Matthew 24, 23 um, through 34, lessons from the fig tree. And some would say that shoot is when Israel became a nation, 1948, that says that generation will not pass away when Jesus comes back. And so some people are feeling like, who was born um, be- 1948 and before? Raise your hand. Born 1948 and before. Okay, so, so some of you would then say, you know what, that generation still is in existence today. Maybe Jesus is coming back in that time. Some would interpret it. I don't know if you can make that assumption from that one scripture. Some would make that, um, that claim. But that's why there's, there's this sense of anticipation of what's happening in Israel, what's happening in, in that region. The next is, is that you have this geopolitical side of it. So, so this region is very strategic uh, in the Middle East. It has always been a focus of, of geopolitical um, effort because there's a lot of natural resources in that region. But the interesting thing, talking about the conflict, is not only this brotherly conflict, Isaac and Ishmael, um, the Palestinians um, and the Isra- Israelis, but then you get on top of global powers that are now having interest in that region. As you know, the United States stands with Israel. But you'll have other nations like Russia that, that stand with the Arab people, with the Palestinians. You have Iran that stands with, obviously, their Arab brothers and sisters, right? And so they stand with them. So you have this, this, this geopolitical scenario as well that creates tension. And, and these are like superpowers now that, that, that focus on a little region no bigger than Vermont. One other term actually I want to share with you, I forgot to mention, this idea of replacement theology. It's another term that is important to talk about. It's actually another term for it is super cessationism, secessionism actually, super secessionism. I'm not that smart, I just looked it up. Don't worry, I'm not that smart. But replacement theology is important to understand because some would say, because this is where it comes to like, how do we stand with people, right? Where, where do we stand as Christians? So this replacement theology, some Christians would believe that, that when Jesus came, the idea that God had promised a specific people, the Jewish people, a land, is now more of a spiritual thing than an actual physical thing. And realizing that because God, Jesus, allowed us to, through um, Peter, allowed us to come into this relationship with God through Jesus, that, that this idea that Gentiles are also God's chosen people. It's not just the Jews uh, that are God's chosen people. And if it's, and if it's this broader per- picture, then is it truly that only, um, o- only are the Israelis, the Israelites, the Jews, God's chosen people? And therefore, if, if it's been much broader, is there an actual chosen land then? Is there, is there really need for a holy war? So this replacement theology, meaning that the Jews were replaced with a much broader, that all people now have a relationship, that all people are an apple of God's eye, that all people, um, God cares about them. They're all special, not the Jews are not the only special people. So 
That's just important to understand if people start talking about, well, what do you believe about that? And by the way, if people want to kind of um, pin you on something, you just say, you know what? God cares about all people. He loves all people, which is true, right? That we, we, don't, uh, we don't take sides. We take the side of realizing human life is valuable to God because they're all made in God's image. The Arabs are made in God's image. The Jews are made in God's image. And they're all valuable to him. They're all valuable to him. I can already hear it now. It's like, so are you saying that you're not standing with Israel, Mark? I am not making a statement on any of that at all. I'm just trying to give you some, some history to understand the conflict in this region and then understanding biblically how do we try to understand what this is. See, I think there was something to be said, you know, in Proverbs eleven fourteen it says, For the lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. And, and what happens is in that area, because it's so geopolitical, people are posturing and positioning things for geopolitical purposes. And, it's, and I think sometimes we look at war and we always feel like, oh, it's a holy war. It's also, or, or a holy conflict. It's also very geopolitical. It has nothing to do with biblical things at all. It has everything to do with saying, who wants to control that region and for what purposes? It becomes very fleshly. It becomes about power, money, and control. Okay, religious significance, historical, um, how you understand that this animosity historically and the geopolitical interests. The challenge for us, though, in this geopolitical interest and why that this is maybe more significant. Now, I've gone to the three areas of why this probably, this conflict might be something that we should pay attention to. Because like never before, Israel, Israel does not claim yes or no, they have it, but most um, professionals who do know about nuclear arsenals um, would say they do. But it is very strong evidence that Israel has a very strong nuclear capacity. What that means, though, is it's a great deterrent for people who want to attack them, but the problem is if that ever gets used in that region, look out. Because, because what nuclear does is it doesn't affect just one power. Remember, I talked about these geopolitical. We will have global powers who will side with one people group over another people group who are also have significant nuclear capabilities. Is this, could it be that this is the Revelation 16, 14? They are demonic spirits that perform signs. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for a battle on that great day of God Almighty. Is, is it possible that you'll have these global geopolitical people who have interest in the region that would want to get involved in a conflict? So nuclear capability, this is, that has never happened before ever since Israel became a nation and that conflict happens. This is why this time may be different. In Matthew 24, verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. The other thing that makes this time a little bit unique, so first of all, the nuclearization uh, or the nuclear capability, 
But the number two that makes this, this seem a little bit unique in this time is this polarization and this idea of is extremism. Right now, there's incredible polarization. Not that there hasn't been conflict before because of um, these different ideologies or um, races, you know, Palestinians, Jews, or Arabs and Jews, Palestinians, Israelites, and, and they basically, Israelis, and they basically have this conflict over, hey, Ishmael's our forefather, Isaac's our forefather, and religious differences. Now there's extremism, which basically says, I am not tolerating this. There's such a lack of tolerance that, that this extremism then, and you can see it with the, with the um, terrorist attack in Israel. Whoever was the one, it's laid claim that it was, it was through the Hamas who did it. But do we really know? I'm not sure. We know the response to that. Now Israel's going into um, the Gaza Strip, which is Hamas-controlled. Um, and basically telling everybody to move from the north, get out of there, and, and Israel's taking um, that level of the ground. So, so this extremism, in, in, in Matthew 24, 12, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And we're seeing that even in the mass shootings, right? There's something going on. We know it's evil, and we know that there is... There is maybe an abased mind or an evil mind, evil's taking over their mind, or, or maybe just the mental health is just going crazy. But for some reason, this ability for people to say, you know what, I can take mass life, and it means nothing to them. There's something that's going on in our world today that the increase, there's an increasing wickedness. And the love of most will grow cold. And, and we know that that is what is looking at the end times. So the third point, though, of this is this global alliances and these entanglements. It has been made very well known that global powers are making sides in that region. And when you have an Israeli-Palestinian conflict, it has potential, potential, far-reaching implications. We know these nations back each other. And as the escalation grows, just be watchful, be mindful of what takes place. We do know at some point in time there will be a, a war. The Great Battle of Armageddon. Interestingly enough, Armageddon is actually a translation of an old ancient name of a city in Israel. There's something that is going to take place in that region that is going to stir a whole world into conflict. And this, this great battle is going to have global consequence. But we know there's hope in this and there's good news in this. That even though there's calamity in the world, that those who profess Jesus are going to be saved. And a soon returning king, Jesus Christ, is going to establish a rule where there's not going to be that level of conflict and hate and division. There's going to be a thousand year reign before the great white throne judgment, in which case everybody will have their final judgment and, and God will then create this new, this new world, this new Jerusalem. 
I don't really know what that looks like. But what I do know is Jesus will come back. And he's coming back for his bride, his church. And he's looking for a people who are ready. Not crumbling in fear, not cowarding away, but ready with anticipation. And I would say the readiness and the application to this is saying, don't be afraid, but be ready to give the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. As the world continues to get a little more chaotic and a little bit more disjointed and a little bit more tense, and our young people are beginning to say, am I safe at school? And people are going to say, am I safe actually even going to the grocery store or going bowling? Am I even safe? And I would say, we're always safe with Jesus Christ. Because we don't love ourselves unto, you know, we don't love our life unto death, right? In other words, meaning we, we're not afraid to die. Because we know that, that death for us, as Paul would say, is, is gain. I think as Paul said it, one of the great apostles back there said it in the scripture. Look it up. To die is gain. Meaning because we get to be with Jesus face to face. We get to start our eternity. Well, we're starting our eternity now, but just in our physical bodies. But we get to, we, we have confidence of what this life looks like afterwards. But for a lot of people, it can be a very fearful time. And they're going to be looking for hope. And are you ready to share the hope that you have? Are you ready? And it's really easy to say this, that, that when people are like, so why aren't you frazzled? The, the world is a mess right now. Why aren't you frazzled? Because I know Jesus. Well, what, how does that make you not frazzled? Because, because he's given me an assurance of my salvation. Well, how do you get saved? Well, the scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're, you're saved. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus went to the cross for our sins. Like it, we needed Jesus who was fully man, fully God. He was perfect and we needed a perfect sacrifice. See, it's not that he just went to the cross. I, I had this idea the other day. It, I, I keep forgetting, but it's not that he just went to the cross. A lot of great people have died for other people. That's what the military does. They're willing to die to sacrifice their life for a nation. But what made Jesus unique was he was perfect. And in his perfection, he went to the cross to take on yours and I's sin. And that's what made him the savior. And that's what gave him the power. Then three days later, he not only went to the, the grave, he, he rose again, showing that he truly was the son of God. And because of that, we can have assurance and peace that we can have life everlasting with Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. That's the hope that we have. So is the world coming to an end? I don't know. Is Jesus coming back soon? I honestly really don't know. Are there signs that would indicate that our world is getting a little bit crazier, a little bit more chaotic? Yes. Has our world ever been this chaotic and crazy before? Maybe. But is this conflict between Israel and Palestine worthy for our attention? Absolutely. Is it the last conflict? Maybe not. Maybe it is. Is this conflict leading us into Armageddon? Maybe. But maybe not. One thing I am assured of that every person in this room is going to meet Jesus face to face one day.
And in my heart is that we're ready. But not only for us, are your family and friends ready to meet Jesus? Are your coworkers ready to meet Jesus? Are your coworkers looking for peace and assurance that only Jesus can have? And guess what? He's called us to be ambassadors. An ambassador is the one who represents the king and the kingdom. And he's asked us to be the ambassadors, representing Jesus wherever we go. My charge to you today is to represent Jesus wherever you go and make sure that you don't slip into fear because there's nothing to be afraid of. Make sure that you don't add stress to your life because of what's going on in the world because there's nothing to be stressed about because we have Jesus. Concerned, of course. Heartbroken to see the devastation, of course. Can we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? That region, Palestinians and Israelis alike, Jews and Arabs alike, need the peace that only Jesus can have. Let's pray. Father, I just would ask that we would be in a place of mindfulness. Let us not get preoccupied by this world. Let us not get numbed by the busyness and the media, social media, the just whatever wants to consume of our time. Let us be thoughtful, prayerful, considering what it is that you're doing in this world today. Lord, I do know that you've called us to be ambassadors, to be dispensers of your hope through you, Jesus, that we are prepared to give a hope for the, the reason that we of our hope, Lord, is only through you, that we would have an assurance of our salvation. Father, if there's anybody here today that is not sure of their relationship with you, that just as I expressed before, that they would just say, Jesus, I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I put my trust in you. I believe that you went to the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins. You are the Son of God. I want to live my life for you. And if you say that and you mean that and, and you want to share that with somebody else today, that you will be saved and you can be confident of your assurance of salvation as you walk with Jesus every day, making him the Lord of your life. Father, I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for its peace. I pray for that region that has deep roots of conflict. Father, that we know that Jew and Judaism, Islamic faith, they are devoid of knowing you, Jesus. And because of that, Lord, we realize that your scripture says there's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that they would have a revelation of who you are and they would give their life to you. Father, I pray peace in that region. I pray for all the innocent lives that are being affected. I pray for the families that are carrying deep burdens for their loved ones that are in conflict, that have lost loved ones. Father, I pray for people who are being displaced right now from their homes. It's got to be a chaotic time for them. Lord, let them experience you in a fresh way. Let them experience you for the first time as a Lord and Savior, Lord. For us here in New Hampshire, Father, let us not be afraid, but let us not be unaware that you're moving, that you're doing something in the world. 
let us be prepared for your return. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.